Sales Tuners, episode 124, James Karanasius, account executive at Quick Pivot. But then I remember, you know, it's like, look, you're one call away from the difference between a closed deal and no deal at all. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. It's time. It's time. It's sales tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Roy Ayers, who said the true beauty of music is that it connects people. It carries a message, and we, the musicians, are the messengers. Very fitting for today's guest, James Karanatius. As an account executive by day, James spends his nights and weekends building his dream of changing people's lives by getting to play music for a living. It's that bigger passion that keeps him going through the grind each of us face every single day. In his role at Quick Pivot, James has seen great success by building discipline into a routine schedule. He works with the teams inside organizations that are influenced by marketing who need a unified customer view provided by his data platform. Sales owners, it feels so good to be back. I've got some great conversations coming your way, but I've also got some new formats about to come at you. Over the next few weeks, expect to hear a new series I'm calling Coach's Corner, where I chat with other sales coaches and we break down the challenges we're seeing day to day. You'll also get a sneak peek of some new episodes where I'll summarize the sales and business books that I think you should be paying attention to in a series called Redefined. And lastly, I'm going to be going deeper into the Ask JB episodes. So if you've got a question and want my help, shoot me an email today, jim at salesshooters.com. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salesshooters.com slash 124. But now let's get to the conversation where James took some good advice from his dad to focus on business school while continuing to pursue his passion in a parallel path. I mean, when I was younger, I mean, it was like 16, 17 years old. And you know, I've begun to realize, I'm like, you know, my passion really is music. Like I, I want to do something uh, in music. And so I was looking at Musicians Institute out in, in Hollywood, California. And, and we finally got to a point where my dad was like, listen, go to school for business or something like that. Because, because business, you can do anything with uh, if you have a degree in business, especially music. He's like, but go to school for four years, get a degree in business. Whatever you want to do after that, more than happy. I'll support you all the way. So that was the the promise I made to my dad. And so it actually, to his credit, definitely worked out for the better. Now, you haven't always been the person you are today, James. You talked about how uh, Pops gave you some great advice about music and that is to go to business school first. But take me way back. How did you actually go from that business degree to sales? Basically, you know, okay, so I went through school, wanted to, to kind of check out entrepreneurship because I like the idea of, of, you know, creating new ideas and using those ideas to create new businesses out of them. And that actually ended up taking me to my senior year of college where then I was like, okay, I don't exactly know if I have a business that I'm going to create because uh, I still want to play music. But, you know, there's a there's a job that's open down, you know, in Boston. Uh, you know, one of my one of my friends was, uh, you know, put in a, a good word for me and passed along my resume. And so that, that jump for me was just kind of a, I, I just jumped into it because I was like, you know, this is, you know, I'm, I've always had a, a pretty good ability to, you know, begin and, and build strong relationships with people, you know, pretty quickly. I'm not afraid to talk. <laughs> so that's a, that's a plus side. 
but I, I, you know, really just, you know, jumped into it. And, you know, from there began what I guess was uh, now six years of, of, you know, outbound sales and uh, things like that. So tell me this, like what separates you today from other salespeople? I mean, every single day is a grind and, and there are two things that can happen, right? You're going to win on the phone or you're going to lose on the phone. Um, and so what are you going to do with that feeling or that information once you've hung up? Um, and so, you know, on days, maybe it's, you know, Hey, I got, uh, yeah, I got this lead today. I'm looking good. Um, you know, I'm at 80% you know goal for, for the entire month. I've got two weeks left. I'm really feeling well awesome. All right. Well, don't stop. Don't quit. What are the things that you have, you know, what are those habits that you've built up uh, over the course of your career that are going to make you come back in the next day and say, okay, slate's clean. I don't care where I'm at and I don't care whether or not I'm, I'm ahead of the game. Uh, I need to keep at it. But I'd say it, it's having that discipline, you know, from a winning side when things, you, know, you feel great and, you know, maybe it, it might cause you to feel like, well, I can, I can relax a little bit here, uh, or on the losing side, you know, are you going to get frustrated and, and, you know, fall into bad habits or, you know, are you going to, you know, maybe kind of not continue to do the things that, that, you know, put you in a, in a good position in the first place, those small tactics, the, the small things that you work on and on, you know, a weekly basis with, uh, you know, other sales folks and and marketing and things like that. So I'd say it's, for me, it's gotta be discipline. You know, what's interesting, James, about what you're telling me here is, you know, we're having our conversation today. It's the first day of the month. Um, and I say that because, you know, I got, a, I got off a coaching caller earlier today and a lot of reps, they just had a good month. They just had a good quarter, right? And they're they're riding that momentum. They're riding that wave into the next month. And, and while I'm all about that, I want you to take that step back and realize today's the first day of the month. You're at zero. You've done nothing today, right? So, <laughs> Right. And, and, and I'm not saying that in a, in a negative way, but there, it's a reality, right? Like you don't get to rest on your laurels. It's still a grind. You still got to pick yourself back up and now get back to work today. So I love what you're saying there. You've also shared with me before that you have just learned to like the word no. Talk to me more about that. Essentially, it, what it comes down to, I think, for me is, you know, being able to, you know, reinforce the good habits that you've created by just be familiarizing with the fact that most people, they're going to say no to you most of the time when you're on the phone, you know, you're going to lose. I mean, that's just failure is a great motivator. I think uh, I'm a big hockey fan. Uh, and, and one of the things that you hear all the time, announcers are saying, you know, guilt's a great motivator. You know, something happens, a guy makes a dumb boneheaded play. But man, he'll recover in, in two seconds because he know he has to. He can't. He cannot let his mistake uh, cost him the game or cost his team. And I think that's similar in the sales world. You getting used to the word no, and not only that, but liking the word no, it can really help you out. Because again, in, in most situations, you know, it's not just you're not just by yourself selling. You know, you're not just by yourself. Uh, making outbound dials. There's a team there that's supporting. There's a team there that you're helping to try to build up. And I think in in many cases, if you're someone you know who can pop up out of their cube, out of their desk or office, whatever, is and say, "Oh man, you got to listen to the, what this what this one person just said to me on the other line. Like they closed me down hard." It's it just kind of flips it on its side, and and people can look at that and say, "Man, that." that's just not getting to this person. Like that he, you know, we get no's all the time. I mean, how frustrated can you be when, you know, you're sitting there telling me that you can, you know, you can call, you can make a hundred dials a day and you may have 10 conversations and nine of them were all no. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, liking the word no definitely contributes to a great team atmosphere, but um, it also keeps your head in check as well on a, on a personal level, because if you just got to learn to have a, a thick skin. 
you put a really big smile on my face telling that story because you know, it is the people who can like just revel in that. Like, you know what? I got to listen to this call. This guy shut me down so hard. But think about that, right? One, getting to the point that you're able to do that and, and kind of laugh at your own mistakes and whatever. But think about the learnings you can have from that, right? If you're excited enough or, 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 or I guess disciplined enough, you use that word, to share that with others, Hey, you can get some feedback. Hey, how would you handle this? Next time I get this, how might I approach it a little bit differently? I think that's fantastic. And the, the other thing I want to make sure I say is, look, just because you hear no today doesn't mean they've told you no forever. No, exactly. It can almost reinforce. And one of the things that that I've learned, you know, over the course of doing this for the past five, six years is that ask the next, the next question. Like if you get used to the word no, it, it all, it, it's almost like you expect it. You know, it's, oh, I'm not, I'm not really interested. Awesome. What are you not interested in? I mean, you can, you can come back with something and that person will, and it might flip the conversation away where the person says, okay, don't, you know, I'm done with you. I don't, you know, you're just being smart. In some cases, some people kind of enjoy it. They're like, all right, this person's giving me a little bit of a challenge here. I'm going to explain exactly why, why I'm saying no. And, and to your point, it's an opportunity to learn something because, you know, maybe whether it's from your colleagues or even the person that you're on the, uh, on the line with, you know, they could be, you know, letting you know, oh, hey, the reason is because timing was terrible or um, actually this is just not something that we're looking into. You can kind of dig down into it and actually you know, get some real information from the person on the, the, on the other end of the line. You know, I used to sell digital advertising and the two biggest objections I always had when doing cold calls or even cold outreach uh, via email was that they already had an agency that they liked or they handled all their ads in-house, right? That's I heard it 90% of the time that I did any outreach. So I started on my cold calls, just throwing those out there. So if I were to call you, I might be like, hey, James, real quick, it's, it's Jim Brown with Insert Company here. Look, most of the people that I call on in your role, they tell me they have already got an agency they love or they do all their ads in-house. So now that we have those out of the way, and then I ask my question, and it's like, I just took that objection completely out of their mouth. They're like, oh, okay, well, here, let's have a different conversation now. And it's just amazing how you can take that, you know, it's coming as a no, and just reposition it, reshift it and, and completely change the conversation. James, talk to me uh, about kind of like what goes on in your daily life outside of work that still contributes to the work that you do, maybe that, that others don't see. For me, that's a big one. Um, and in this conversation, you'll you'll see that I'll tend to go back to music quite a bit because I love it so much, and it's it's my it's my job away from my job. So a lot of it has to do with uh, the structure around what my day is going to be like, what my week's going to be like. So you know, it's a it's a nine to five, nine to six, nine to you know, to, however long it takes you to get the job done. You know, in in a sales role, uh, but then on top of that, you know, my everyday life, I'm also planning around. Okay, you know when. When's our next shows? When are we doing practices? When am I writing more songs? When am I writing more lyrics? You know, what are we doing to, uh, you know, help our band image? Like, what you know, are we are we going to do like a, a short video somewhere? Maybe record just something acoustic? You know, all of these different things that are swirling. Uh, we have a practice space that I'm in charge of. You know, paying rent, collecting rent. Um, and then you know, also you know, booking for for our band practices and things like that. So. It's the small little things, I think, in, in daily life where you're constantly, you know, learning to have to structure uh, your time around, which for me really, really, really uh, is important with, uh, you know, the work week. I think I, I can't tell you how important it is, uh, at least for me, um, to go in and, and the rule that, that I live by personally is, you know, 10 before 10. 
I'm making 10 calls before 10 a.m. And it's just, it's part of my structure. It's part of my process in the same way that, you know, okay, well, what do I have to do? I'm, I'm a singer in my band. Awesome. I need to continue to work on my voice. I need to, you know, it's, it's an instrument in and of itself. So I need to continue to work on that. Well, when am I going to find a time to do that? Cause I can't be doing it on Friday nights. If I want to go out and, uh, you know, have a few drinks or, you know, is there things coming up on the weekend where I'm going to be busy? You know, I gotta, I gotta find time after work, you know, are we practicing that day? So they kind of go hand in hand, just the ability to not only structure your life and the things that you're, you're doing that, um, might just be, you know, hobbies or things that you love doing outside of work, but, you know, utilize those things to, you know, make your work life better. And so I think, uh, what's the, I can't remember the exact saying, I think my, again, my dad used to do this during, uh, during baseball practice. It would be, you are what you repeatedly do. Therefore excellence is not an act, but a habit. And I've remembered that thing my entire life because my dad has said it. So every hockey practice, baseball practice, guitar lesson, sock doesn't matter. It's you are what you repeatedly do. Um, and so if, if in your daily life, you're making sure that, you know, you're living by good habits, then, I mean, your work life is going to obviously uh, be positively affected by that. You know, I think I want to meet your dad. He's got some, uh, <laughs> some, some, some great feedback here. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a cool guy. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because that, uh, you know, that, that quote that you just put out there that you've heard hundreds of times from your dad, I've, I've used that as the intro to this podcast before because it is so true, right? Like the things that we do repeatedly make us who we are, right? And you talk about structure. Here's what's interesting. Everybody who listens to this show knows that I've been traveling the world for the last year, or I guess I've, I've been on about 10 months. I've been to 13, 14 countries now over the last 10 months. And while that may be fantastic or sound fantastic, it has completely destroyed all sense of structure, routine, process that I have in my life. Now, that is part of the reason why we did the trip. However, right, I think about this podcast. I used to record every Tuesday afternoon. The entire afternoon was blocked off for podcast recording. I would record two to four episodes every Tuesday afternoon, and it became a muscle. I knew exactly how to pull off the show every single time, no matter what. You know, you and I are talking. I haven't recorded a podcast, or, you know, I haven't recorded an episode of the show in three months. And I'm sitting here preparing for you and I's conversation. I'm like, all right, we got to get back in the swing of everything. And my setup has completely changed. I used to have a dedicated space in my office, right? With my entire podcasting setup already done. I just walk in and do it. Well, now being on the road, I got to make sure that I'm in a place that's not going to sound too echoey. I got to make sure I have a right internet connection. Like there's so many things that when you actually build that structure into your life, it allows you to just show up and be great. Well, look, James, I mean, I know that this is a, a B2B sales uh, a conversation and podcast, but I love how much the overlap exists in your personal life with your band and, and all the experience that you have there. Because at the end of the day, your band is a business and you're calling on other businesses to allow you to perform shows and have, you know, get paid and all that kind of stuff. So I, I want to kind of look into that a little bit. What have you seen change in that space, you know, what, what maybe worked five years ago that is completely different now that you've had to be able to adapt to in, in sales, but from your band standpoint? I mean, I think everyone's seen it uh, with music is it's, it's become, it's a digital age, right? And, you know, we have these streaming services, these mon like monstrosity of companies who are just, you can put your music out there and anyone in the world can hear it. I mean, it's amazing. Um, but I think with that, you know, music for me, 
I still think there's an old fashioned way of doing it. You can go out there and, you know, you can hit the grind and you can play, you know, five, six shows every single week. Um, you could be touring in a van and, and that, that, that is still a way to do it. But, you know, I think also starting locally, it's, it's become very much different in that everything's digital, everything's visual. You, you need to be able to, you know, pull together not only, you know, different songs and different original songs, or if you're a cover band, different cover songs, but uh, you need to apply that to, uh, you know, great video content and great visual content as well. And so what I've, you know, come to, to realize is that uh, I think you almost have to facilitate and create your own, you know, smaller fan base to start uh, on your own. And then from there, then you can take that in. And, and like you said, you can just sell that to the venues. You can go in and say, look, through great video content, through, you know, great social media, um, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, things like that. Um, and, obviously through great songs and, and, and good talent that you surround yourself with. I mean, that bar none is probably one of the most important things uh, that you need to have going for you, but utilizing all those things to, to create a small following and then being able to project that uh, onto those venues and say, Hey, I've got this really cool idea for a show, but not only that, I've got the people who, who, are going to show up. They're going to, they're going to be there. We're going to have a hundred, 200 people come to this thing. Um, and then, and you know, to, to a venue, I'm sure that that's, that's perfect for them. They're, they're looking for that. Um, and I think that's for me, the biggest thing that I've learned is using you know, these digital platforms, you know, to build your own following and then being able to sell it the same way that you would use your network, uh, whether it's through LinkedIn, um, other people that you've met, you know, at school, things like that, that you would be using, you know, to help sell, you know, with whatever business you're with. I love that you're already making that direct correlation for me about how you can use that when you're, when you're prospecting. Let me ask you this question. How many other musicians do you know would hear you say something like that and be like, oh yeah, that's not for me. I'm a musician. I'm an artist. I don't have time for marketing and sales. I would say you better be a really, really, really good musician then <laughs> because it's a, it's amazing. I mean, there's a place right down the road from my house actually here in Boston um, and they do open jazz nights um, on, on Wednesdays. And I have seen um, you know, that our guitarist, one of his friends has, has played there. And this kid is, a, he's an absolute machine. I mean, he's unbelievable at his instrument. And it's, it's crazy to think that there are plenty of musicians like that out there that people just don't know. They just haven't heard of. And, and I'm not, you know, a lot of that has to do probably with the fact that it depends on as an artist, you know, what you want to do with your talent. I mean, some people, they're not looking to get famous. They like playing for, because they just like playing and, and things like that. But, you know, for those who, you know, want to be out there and want their music to be heard, you know, by large amounts of people who, you know, want to create an aesthetic or, you know, a point of view that other people can get behind. You have to be a mark. You're a, you're a salesperson, you're a marketer, you're an ops person, you're a human resource, you're everything all in one when you're in the band because you're, you're, you're scheduling everything, you're writing a bunch of stuff, you're, you're doing it all. So, you know, like, like I said, if, if you got the talent to just go on talent alone, that is awesome. But for the most part, I think a lot of us are going to have to be good salespeople and, and good marketers. <laughs> well, so here's what I love about it. It reminds me of a book I read, gosh, probably almost 20 years ago now. Have you ever read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki? I have not. So I, I do recommend the book. It's a, it's a good read, uh, maybe for some motivation. But but here's why I'm saying that. Uh, he is a best-selling author. And there was a journalist at one point, that, and he talks about this in the book. There's a journalist that sat down and talked to him and said, hey, you know, Mr. Kiyosaki, you're a best-selling author, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Hey, now that the interview 
about what I wanted to talk to you about is over. Can I ask you some questions about how you become a best-selling author? And they go back and forth and have this conversation. And she talks about all the credentials, right? All the reasons why she's so good at writing, right? And he looks at her and says, you, you realize what that says, right? It says best-selling author, not best-writing author, and it is so true. Like there's so many amazing talents out there, right? There's so many amazing talents. There's so many amazing companies, so many amazing products, so many amazing salespeople. But until you get out there and people know who you are, you might as well not exist. Yeah, no, it's it, that's 100% true. And it's part of that process too is, you know, I, I think the, the one of the hardest things for myself or what I've, what I've learned through all of it is the fact that because you want to be authentic, right? Like when you're on the phone talking to somebody or, um, you know, when you're playing music, I mean, there's a style that you've developed through the years, listening to other people, listening to other artists, you know, and, and you've different things that you've picked that you feel is just right for you. And you've got to learn how to sell that. I mean, you've got to learn how to be able to take that and say, this is what I am. This is what our band is. And, here's why you need to be able, here's why you should be listening to this because there's a ton of bands doing the same exact thing you are. And I wouldn't say that they're necessarily competing with you specifically. I mean, they're not, you know, no one's going to be looking up at, you know, Hey, James from the edition, I, we gotta, we gotta take them down. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, we gotta beat them. Like I don't, there's no one that's doing that with us, but everyone's vying for the attention uh, of everyone else. And, and as a band, you really do have to understand one, what makes me authentic. And then two, how do I sell that? And and there's, I mean, the number of times that you can do that on the phone as well, or the, how many times that that situation has popped into my head where I'm like, I just talked to this person on the phone, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, selling quick pivot. I'm talking about quick pivot, but you know, was I actually talking like me? Am, am I, am I, is it my voice? Is it, you know, is it, does it sound like me talking to, uh, you know, a work friend at a, at a bar, you know, getting into it and, and, you know, being passionate about it, but also being, you know, real, you know, delivering it the way I would normally, uh, or did it sound like I was reading something and sometimes you're going to miss, but at least it's authentic. Yeah. You, you've talked about authenticity. You've talked about the grind. Help me understand, like, wh where is all this coming from for you? What, what is the driver? What's the passion behind this for you personally? I mean, the passion for me is... I want to play music for a living. I, I love what music can do for people. I love um, how it makes people feel, how it can change people's lives, how, you know, it just, it's a, it's a wonderful way to express yourself. And, and um, I think personally, uh, you know, I would challenge everyone to, to, to figure out what your why is and to figure out, you know, what it is that you want to create, because whether it's creating art, you know, on a guitar or whether it's being an artist on the phone as a salesperson, if you really love something and enjoy it, that's what's going to make you get out of bed and, and, and do what you want to do. And that's what it is for me. I mean, there are mornings where, you know, you wake up, it's cold, it's rainy, you know, maybe band practice went a little too late. So I'm on like five hours of sleep, four and a half hours of sleep. And it's like, you know, maybe I could just phone it in for today. I'll just take a nap. It won't, you know, won't be a big deal. But then I remember, you know, it's like, look, you're one call away from the difference between a closed deal and no deal at all. So if, if I get up in the morning and say, look, I could have a conversation with someone and depending on what the sales cycle is like three, six months from now, I could be looking at a, at a bonus check. I could be looking at new guitar pedals, you know, new tools that I could be using to help spread the band name, to help sell my band. So for me that, I mean, that overall uh, is, is exactly why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. 
It really is that self-funding of the band so that you can change another person's life for the better. James, I love it. I'm going to take a quick break so that I can say thank you to my sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away and sales tuners, you don't go away there. We'll be right back. Costello is pioneering the way companies build and execute sales playbooks. The platform helps sales reps prepare for calls, ask timely questions, tell relevant stories, and sync insights back to their CRM, all while showing managers and reps the gaps in every single deal so they can work them together to move them forward. With Costello, sales leaders can identify what's working on the front line and replicate success across their entire team. Learn more and see a demo at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back and it's time for the money round. James, are you ready for the money round? I am ready for this money round. (laughs) What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? So pretty easy one for there because we talked about it a little bit earlier, but loving the word no. I said liking before, but I'm going to say loving the word no. (laughs) If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? Get to know your customers, know who you're selling to uh, is the biggest thing. I think that's one of the things that we've been working on very hard right now is is understanding uh, you know, what makes the person tick on the other end from a business perspective, because um, at the end of the day, it's got to matter to them if they're going to want to continue to uh, to talk to you and potentially buy from you. Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? I hate to lose. And the reason why I would say I hate to lose, winning is great. It you know gets you going. It can get you motivated. You know you 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 book that meeting or or someone closes that sale, and you immediately want to get get out there and and, and do that again. Uh, but for me, it's I, I hate to lose because it's a team mentality. I've, there, there's a whole business that's behind sales. I mean, you're 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 helping continue the business run. Um, and so for me, it's that idea that I hate to lose because I don't want to let you know my team down. I don't want to let uh, the people who are right next to me you know, in the grind doing the same exact thing that I'm doing every day down. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? It's called Your Band is a Virus uh, by James Moore. And it just, it goes into you know, the, the digital age that we're in and, and how you really can help your band excel and, and how you sell your band, you know, using all of these different digital platforms that are out there, all the social media platforms that are out there, because it, it really is a great, I mean, there are millions upon millions of people who, who can have access, you know, to what it is that you're trying to sell, but you've got to find the right ways to be able to get that out there. So your band is a virus is a good one. Sales Tuners, if you'd like to check out James's suggestion of Your Band is a Virus for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book. There you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book for Your Band is a Virus. And I think I'm going to check that out because Sales Tuners, one of the things that I really do want you to take away from this is that you have to build your own audience, your own tribe, your own following. And if you can do that, you can set yourself up for a long career uh, in sales that's going to be very successful. So uh, James, what's currently at the top of your bucket list? I got two places that I want to visit. So my mom was born in Germany. Uh, she was born in Stuttgart. Uh, so that's a place that I want to go check out. The second place is the other half on my dad's side, which is Greece. Um, and, and so I'd love to go to, to, to Stuttgart and, and see the, the place where my mom was born and then um, head on over to Germany and, and you know get, get the, the family background from there as well. And, and also be in Greece. It just, it always looks so lovely. <laughs> What is the biggest piece of advice that you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? 
so again, and it's a reoccurring theme, it, it's it's the discipline, it's the structure and the process. I mean, all of the tips and, and tricks that you learn, you know, those are great things that are going to help you, um, I would say, continue to be successful. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it, it really has to do with, you know, finding out what it, what makes you tick, why you want to do it. And then applying that to, you know, a structure and a schedule that works best for you. Because I think you know, like with everything, uh, your business life and your personal life all works on a flow. Um, and if you're really able to establish a, a good process for yourself, you know, outside of work, but also within the workplace, I think it, re- it really helps, you know, think through things a little bit more smoothly. Um, it helps you be more authentic to who you are and how you want to sell. Um, so yeah, I think that would be the, that'd be my little bit of advice. I love how much overlap James was able to pull from his band into sales, especially the notion of building your own audience. If you want to get in touch with James, LinkedIn is the best way, but also be sure to check out his music on Facebook by searching for The Edition Band. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, ask the next question. By this point, we should all be used to hearing the word no. However, it's what you do after hearing it that defines you as a salesperson. The word could be a stoplight and completely shut you down. Or it could be a challenge to you to dig a little deeper and understand the context in which that specific prospect is using it. What aren't they interested in? How could they get budget if they found value? When does their current contract with a competitor end? Number two, build your own following. In today's world, it seems as if there are influencers popping up all over the place. I mean, if I see another person at a sacred monument with a selfie stick, well, I might just lose it. But the reality is there's an opportunity for every salesperson to build the community they need to sell into, whether it be as simple as sharing helpful articles and industry research or recording videos and sharing them on LinkedIn. It's time to move beyond seeing the social platforms as just for your personal use and leverage them to build your pipeline. Number three, figure out what makes you tick. Look, all the tips and tricks may help you with some short-term gains, but if you want to survive the grind of sales, you have to figure out the why that's bigger than the day-to-day. What's going to cause you to pick up the phone one more time? What's going to help you shake off losing a six-figure deal that you were given a verbal yes to? There's a reason why most New Year's resolutions fail within the first month of the year. The change a person is seeking often is not connected to something big enough to drive the continuous required actions. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there. And they stay there.